Welcome to Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. This is part four of our uh, mini-series uh, around stories of home. Uh, you'll notice that this is uh, definitely not Michelle speaking, uh, also not Paul speaking. Uh, this is Stefan. How are you doing, everyone? Uh, this is a uh, this is our last little uh, last little episode before hopefully we actually play the stories in a f- in a future episode. Uh, but I'm here uh, with Claire. Welcome, Claire. Hi. Thank you. Uh, and and we're talking about stories of home. And the there's a there's a whole week of National Housing Week that gets kicked off uh, quite soon. I will be go. I'll be ongoing when this gets released because it starts tomorrow. So it's happening right now, everyone. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of great things you can check out on evergreen.ca about what National Housing Week is doing or getting involved in that way. Also, of course, this is about stories of home, which is which will happen November 23rd. Uh, and if you're listening to this as soon as it was released, you can still get tickets and you can still come. So please do that. And yeah, without further ado, let's get into this interview. There are there are three questions we have for you, uh, and the first one I think Claire is uh, is is is, a, is one that you're the most ready for, uh, which is tell us about yourself. It's a it's a tough one, uh, but I think you got it. Yeah, that one's real hard. <laughs> I am a Toronto kid, so Toronto is home for me. Uh, Ward 14 in particular, and right now I call Parkdale home. And uh, about me, I guess I am. Uh, I'm somebody who loves to be participating in the neighborhood, in the community. Um, I actually like being on boards. I know it's really boring. <laughs> Man, that is that is that is a, maybe the most unique thing about you. There's a lot of things about you that are unique, but I think enjoying being in boards may be the number one. I know, I know. There are some people who look at me like I'm crazy. But <laughs> how uh, many are you on? Right now, I'm on two. It's a, it's a big time commitment yeah. for working boards, especially for smaller organizations that. You know, you need to like actually be pretty on top of it and uh, doing some of the work that the, the staff and the rest of the organization does as well. Uh, what two boards are those, if I may ask? Uh, yeah, so I'm on the board of the Dufferin Grove Housing Co-op, which is the uh, housing cooperative in which I live with my wife, Anna, and the Parkdale Neighborhood Land Trust, which is a uh, organization in Parkdale that's trying to acquire land out of the private market and bring it into uh, not-for-profit ownership. So basically make it uh, an asset that's there for the community into the future. That's amazing. I've actually, I've actually got to one of your, one of your, one of the most recent or, or, or efforts of the Milky Way Garden I've managed to hang out at, which is like this cool little place that I feel like, I feel like it, 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 to give our listeners a completely random side note, um, it's this cool garden that I feel like a lot of people in Toronto don't think exists in Toronto because it's in a laneway, which we don't talk about a lot. And then it's, you sort of turn and suddenly there's this, there's this, this whole garden that exists and it's like so well maintained in such a community space that I feel like we don't think of Toronto as having almost. Yeah, it's a it's an amazing garden. It actually started out as uh, an ESL class. So a lot of older senior um, Tibetans uh, were taking ESL classes in the library, which is just across the alleyway from the Milky Way Garden. And the ESL teacher, Tish, uh, was realized that food was this great way of teaching English because everybody knows about the types of vegetables and food that they grow in their home country. And so this is a point of like um, communication and understanding and familiarity and that area had not been, it was just like a, a vacant lot. And so she was able to contact the existing owners at that time. And they started to grow food together as part of the ESL class. And it was just an amazing opportunity. So when the land trust uh, was uh, 
incorporated and started to kind of exist, uh, the owners of the, the land wanted to see this activity continue. And so they wanted to see it uh, come into ownership of by a, a not-for-profit. And so that's where the, the land trust came in and was able to raise funds from the community. We were actually able to raise about $26,000 from uh, the wonderful people of Toronto. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and then also work with some foundations uh, to secure the purchase. That's, man, that's so cool. Yeah, and we have some amazing uh, future pro- projects on that space. We're going to be doing some uh, more container farming. We're going to be building a packed earth gateway uh, just to both show the technique as well as like create a, a grand entrance into the area. So it's not just kind of like, what's that behind the fence? You know, you're going to know when you're walking through the Milky Way Garden that this is a place of community, that we're growing food here for our community. And um, uh, yeah, and trying to make a different world happen. Yeah, it's, 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 it's such a, it's literally, if you're in Toronto, you should go check it out because it's actually a really cool space. The, the second question that, that, that Michelle was sort of always asking all, their, all, their, all our other interviewers uh, was, so what your, what's your idea of home? What, what makes something feel like home to you? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I, I mean, I guess one of the ways to answer that is the, I now live in Parkdale, hmm. um, but I grew up in the Roncesvalles area. And when I go back to visit my parents, uh, it doesn't feel like home anymore. I understand. So when I was a kid, there was a sense of community. There were uh, a sense of like people out in the streets um, playing ball hockey, the grandparents sitting out on the porch. Um, there was just a sense of community that doesn't seem to exist there anymore. Whereas in Parkdale or on Melbourne Avenue where I live, you know, you always hear something out in the streets. Like I am running to my window to check out what's going on in the streets, you know, several times a day. And to me, that's community. It's like the vibrancy of, um, you know, people talking, kids, you know, screaming and yelling and, you know, doing whatever kids do. Um, it's about recognizing the dog walking around the block and being like, hey, I know that dog. You know, right, right, right. Those little th- types of things. Um, yeah. So in, in a lot of ways for me, home means community. It's not just, you know, the house that you live in. It's about like the, the people that make up the community. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost, I, I was having a conversation recently actually with someone about the idea of a neighborhood and asking if I felt like I lived in a neighborhood and I, and I live in, you know, Dundas and McCall, uh, for, which is basically in the middle of everything, but is not a community. Like there's just, if I walk outside, there's just not a, I'm, I'm more likely to run into 17 different students than I am any particular person for a second time. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it's 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 and what I remember actually most uh, about about my growing up in Scarborough uh, was the the kids on the street had a, that feeling you know like we were constantly on the street playing ball hockey constantly on the street sort of taking up that taking up that space and the number of times the cars would have to like we'd have to like pull our stuff away for yeah. cars running across the street car car <laughs> yeah um, I totally remember that too. yeah um, and then it was it was more astounding for me was when the blackout happened. Um, and, and for one day, everyone was on their stoop, right? For one day, everyone went on their porch and suddenly there was like this, it was this moment of experiencing what it might be like if people were truly used our public space as public space, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I wasn't around for the blackout, but I do remember all of the stories that, um, everyone talks about. And, and I think that is exactly what we're trying to achieve. I think within our housing cooperative, uh, the the simple fact that we have to go to an AGM 
uh, or a general members meeting twice a year means that people have to get to know each other, you know, and definitely more so from on the everyday level and, you know, kids play with other kids in the neighborhood and that type of thing is more of a, a, a sense of community. But there's also this institutionalization of we need to run these buildings together. Right. Um, which creates a sense of solidarity that I think is is quite powerful. And so that's the context of not-for-profit housing as opposed to um, private home ownership or uh, for-profit housing developments. Um, and so I, for the land trust, right now we're focusing on the Milky Way Garden as well as rooming houses, but we are also looking um, at all of these different issues around housing, home, community, uh, and trying to find solutions that make a lot more sense, that are more satisfying um, for the people in Parkdale, and hopefully also to to be a model for the rest of Toronto. With that sort of background, then uh, just tease this because you know this is going to be a four-year story, so you don't want to give away too much. Uh, yeah. But what what are you going to talk about? Yeah. So in my other life, uh, I'm a financial planner. Um, I've also been uh, uh, an investment advisor. So I've kind of like, uh, I fell into the world of money and money management. And one of the things that I have really come to understand is like a key uh, bridge between um, the work that I do and also my passion for social justice, environmental justice, is this issue of where money comes from. So the story I'm going to tell is, uh, takes us through kind of my process of coming to understand how important this issue of where money comes from. And then hopefully also kind of like getting people interested in this question and to see, you know, if we as a Canadian population or a global population, how to better handle over how our money actually works, uh, would we be able to solve some of these big problems like poverty, climate change, um, social injustice, uh, environmental justice issues? Um, you know, I, I think that could be a big piece of the puzzle. Wow. Um, well, I've got a chance to sort of workshop the story with you uh, through the thing and uh, coming into it with a, with a goal of trying to make a story that tell explains how money works and it's also a story is a incredibly <laughs> difficult task. Uh, but you've done so amazingly. And so if you listen to this beforehand, come on the Thursday and hear it. Uh, thank you so much, Claire. Uh, and have a fantastic evening, everybody. Thank you, Stephen. Find out more at evergreen.ca or storieswedonttell.org. Thank you for listening.